A reading from the book of the prophet Zephaniah. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud singing, as on a day of festival. I will remove disaster from you, so that you will not bear reproach for it. I will deal with all your oppressors at that time, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you home, At the time when I gather you, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. John said to the crowds, coming out to be baptised by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe has been laid to the root of the trees, And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? the crowd asked. John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptised. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptise you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. 
but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Do please take your seats. John the Baptist didn't mince his words, did he? Would you like to turn, if you've got a Bible with you, and if you'd like to turn to page 1029, um, which is the um, gospel reading in Luke, um, we're going to have a look at a few pages around um, that part of the gospel about John the Baptist. And the Bible readings through Advent focus quite a bit on this character, John the Baptist. But who was he? Most people have an idea that he was a bit of a wild man. After all, he did dress in camel hair shirts or whatever, and he used to eat locusts and wild um, honey, um, which sounds quite nice, at least the wild honey bit does, but when you think that it probably had quite a lot of bees attached to it, I think it was pretty wild as well. And some people know that he baptised people in the River Jordan, including Jesus. But what does John the Baptist have to say to us today? Well, at the time, John, um, at the time that John lived, the, the country of Israel was in a, in a state. It was in a mess. It was occupied by the hated Roman army um, occupying the land. There were major divisions in the Jewish religion. There was extortion of money from the poor by both the occupying army and by the um, Jewish tax collectors. There was political unrest and many attempts to overthrow the occupiers by armed resistance groups. Um, There was a massive wealth gap between the rich and the poor. And quite frankly, the institutions of that day were corrupt and change was needed. And in one sense... The very purpose of John the Baptist's life was to warn the people of Israel that major change was needed. And that was to come through Jesus Christ. But it was, it was to warn that change was needed. And John gained a reputation and people poured out of Jerusalem um, hearing about some kind of spiritual revival going on in the desert on the River Jordan. And uh, they wondered, maybe John was, after all, the the long-promised Messiah that the prophets of Israel had written about. I love John's phraseology. It's fantastic, isn't it? Look at verse 7, the first part of our reading. What happens when these people who flocked out of Jerusalem get to the River Jordan? Does John say, well, it's great to see you. Well done for coming. No, he says, you brood of vipers. It's brilliant. (laughs) John is completely unafraid and he calls them to account. Vipers, after all, are poisonous. So he's saying that they are poisoning their society. But what about our society today? We live in a time where the long, perhaps cherished by some institutions, are under more scrutiny than ever before. People have lost trust in the banks after the credit crunch and the bankers' bonuses. They've lost trust in the MPs after the expense scandal. They've lost trust in the press after the phone hacking scandal. Lost trust in the church after revelations about abuse in the 60s and 70s and 80s. They've lost trust in the BBC after the Newsnight scandal. Lost trust in the celebrities after Jimmy Savile and the other revelations about sexual abuse. The big corporations, we've lost trust in Starbucks because we discovered they hadn't paid a penny in tax 
for years, even though they make hundreds of millions or turn over hundreds of millions of pounds in this, in this country, and so on. Um, we've lost trust as a country in our institutions. John the Baptist would have been completely at home in 21st century Britain. And I don't know what he would have eaten if he was here today, but I know what he would have said. He would have said that change is needed, that much-needed change is needed. And if you read any of the current writers on trends, social trends um, in our culture... One of the main features of our so-called postmodern culture is that few people trust institutions in the same way that perhaps they did 30 or 40 years ago. Respect for authority figures and for institutions is very low indeed. And that's why, personally, I think the church would be much better off if it... The less it looked like an institution and the more it looked like a movement for change, which is exactly what the early church did look like. That's, and and uh, that's what John the Baptist was spearheading, a movement for change. I, I would love to see the church, for example, in America spearheading um, a movement for change in the gun laws. Wouldn't that be fantastic? I don't know if it'll ever happen, but it would be after the terrible news we've seen on our screens in the last few days. That would be wonderful. And there's a need for something new in our culture today. We all know this. And I want to briefly pull out three aspects about the person of John the Baptist which I think can help us and encourage us in our day-to-day lives to be part of that change. And firstly, firstly, we need something that John had. We need the power of God in our lives. When we wake up each morning, we all want a purpose in life. We want something to get out of bed for. We want a purpose for the day ahead. We want to feel that we matter, that what we do, that what we say, what we, what we get up to each day actually makes a difference somehow. But many people today don't have a purpose. There are some children living in our parish right now today for example, who've who've never known a day in their lives when their mum or their dad went out to work. There are some who don't even remember a day when their grandparents went out to work. We've got some generational poverty right on our doorstep. And people need a purpose. And if we follow Jesus, John explains, that purpose comes from the power of God living in us. Would you like to just... um, um, Just turn back two pages to Luke chapter 1. And um, look at verses um, 11 to 15, just, just briefly. It's when the angel appears to John the Baptist's father, Zechariah. And that's, um, yeah, on page 1025. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. This is to John the Baptist's father, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many people will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. 
he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. So John the Baptist had that power of God living in him right from birth, giving him his purpose for life, giving him his determination to live out that purpose and the strength to say and do some of the things that his calling was going to demand of him. And the wonderful news is that every person who becomes a follower of Jesus has the Holy Spirit living in them. How do we know that? Well, if you just turn back again two pages to our passage, chapter 3, and look at verses 15 and 16, this is John's response to some of the people who wondered if he was going to be the Messiah. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. But John answered them and said, I baptise you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In other words, when Jesus comes, they won't just be having a wash in the Jordan. It won't just be a physical outward symbol of being cleaned, but actually there would be um, the power of God um, living inside them. Um, they would ha- it would be like a blazing fire, baptising them on the inside, changing their hearts and minds and energising their lives. And some of you, those who finished the Alpha course recently, will remember that the Holy Spirit was promised for all believers. And many of us um, have experienced that power of God in us um, after praying for him to, to fill us with his Spirit. And when we have God's Spirit living in us, we're free to become the people that God made us to be. So that's the first thing. John had the power of God in his life. The second thing which we discover about John, which I think is really rather a relief, is that he was human, that he wasn't some superman, that he was actually human, just like you and I. Despite being filled with the Holy Spirit, despite having a clear purpose in his life and being a very determined character, we discover that he had weaknesses too. If you just turn on two pages, two or three pages, to chapter 7 of Luke, there's an interesting episode um, we're going to look at in verse 19 of chapter 7. There's an interesting episode. By this time, John is, has been imprisoned. The authorities didn't like what he was saying, what he was doing, and uh, um, he had accused Herod, the ruler, um, of, uh, of effectively of, of sleeping with his brother's wife, and Herod had banged him up in jail, and John was, John was in prison. And um, a couple of John's disciples came to him in prison, and John John's sends them back with a message to Jesus. Verse 19, this is what he says. He sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? This is Jesus he's talking about, the one who he's pointed to, the one who he's baptised, the one who he said, behold the Lamb of God. And now, months later, or whatever it is, he's in prison and doubts are creeping in. He's, he's, he's not sure, he wants reassurance. And he sends his disciples back to say, ask Jesus if he really is the one. John has doubts. And in our Christian lives, we too can have doubts in our walk of faith. And that's okay to have doubts. It's part of the life of faith. John 
had been thrown into prison, and sometimes we are thrown into difficult circumstances in our lives as well. Perhaps a child, one of our children, gets ill. Perhaps we find ourselves in difficult financial straits, especially around Christmas time. Maybe we don't have a job and we wonder where the next one's going to come from. We find our health failing. We find relationships strained by the pace of life and the demands on our time. And we begin to doubt. And just like John, we need reassurance. And John needed reassurance and he found it. And the reason he found it was because in this one respect, he was absolutely consistent. His whole life was always pointing in one direction, and that was the right direction, the direction of Jesus. And that's the third thing that I wanted to pull out from um, this passage about John the Baptist. Um, His entire orientation, whatever the situation, even when he was in doubt, was to look to Jesus for the answer and to point others to Jesus. And so from his prison cell, he sends his disciples and they come back with a, with a message um, in verse 22 of chapter 7 that the blind receive sight, the lame walk, the, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the, de- the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is preached to the poor. John's life purpose has been fulfilled. And now the power of God is transforming the lives of all those who come into contact with Jesus. And John is reassured. And Jesus is still doing that today, transforming lives of millions of lives every year as people discover the life-changing effect that coming into a faith in Jesus Christ can have. And just as John the Baptist pointed people to Jesus, so that is our calling. And we have an advantage over John, if you like. Not only do we have the Holy Spirit living in us, but you see, John, well, he was executed by Herod shortly afterwards. While Jesus was still walking the roads of Israel. And so so John never had the luxury that we have of knowing that Jesus went to the cross and died on the cross for each one of us. And John never had the luxury of knowing that three days later Jesus rose from the dead to show that the cross was effective, that God really had taken away our sins. But we do have that luxury, and so it's even more incumbent upon us to point others to Jesus. And in our midweek fellowship group this week, we decided that one of the best ways we could do that is by simply extending an invitation to people. In fact, we're thinking of, if you like, giving next year, 2013, um, an overarching message, it being the year of the invitation, when we invite people to come and to consider Jesus Christ and what he might mean for them. And we have a great opportunity to do that with our Christmas services. In fact, it's not even too late when you get home today to phone up a friend and say, the carol service is on tonight, why don't you come? Or come to the crib service, or the New Year's Eve service, or the midnight communion, sorry, on the the midnight communion service, or Christmas Day. Or Alpha in the new year, we're doing another Alpha course starting in January. That's the simplest way for us to point others to Jesus, is to just say, come and see. 
But we can also do it not just by words with an invitation, but we can do it with our lives as well. As John explains in this passage from verse 10 to verse 14 of chapter 3. Because when John told these people to, to turn around, to, to change their ways, they said to him, what should we do? Verse 10. And John says, look, if you've got two shirts, then you should share with the one who doesn't have any. And if you've got more food than you need, you should share it with others. And the tax collector said, what should we do? And he said, don't collect any more money than you should. And the soldiers came and said, what should we do? And he said, well, don't bully people. Don't extort money from them. Don't accuse them falsely. Be content. In other words, whatever we have, share with others. Be honest, be fair, be loving, be truthful. Because if our lives are like that, then in this world of credit crunches, expense fiddling, fat bonuses, phone hacking, exploitation, and all the rest, our lives will point in a different direction to Jesus as much as our words will. These days, I can't imagine doing life without Jesus. Now, that might sound funny coming from a vicar, but I know, I know that for everyone who turns to him, he brings purpose. He shares our humanity and he fills us with the power of his Holy Spirit to live our lives to the full. So let's take a lesson from John. Ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit because he will. And if life is difficult and we have doubts, let's go back to God, go back to Jesus just as John did and ask him to give us his reassurance, his comfort. Paul, in our second reading, just as an aside, Paul, he, was, he wrote that letter from a prison cell. Isn't it amazing? And he was able to say, rejoice in the Lord always. Re I say it again, rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in all situations, through prayer and petition, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul because he was so pointed to Jesus, was able to write that from a prison cell which he didn't know he was ever going to get out of, whether he'd be executed himself. And John went back to Jesus and found that kind of reassurance. So whenever we can, let's let our lives, uh, let our lives and our words, by way of invitation, point to others to Jesus and the one, the one who gave up everything because he loves us so much. Amen.